Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today's guest is Tom, a survivor of suicide loss, a survivor of a suicide attempt, and the author of the blog, For the Heart Cries. So welcome to the Grief Stories podcast, Tom. Thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So on this podcast, um, I invite guests to share their story of loss and the the impact that the loss has had on their lives and some of the challenges they've faced. Um, can you share with me your story of loss, please? Tell us a bit about it. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, my loss and the losses in my life had centered around suicide. Uh, and it began when I was 11 years old. Uh, when my best friend and hero, uh, my grandfather, uh, died by suicide. Uh, that was a very heartbreaking uh, time in my life, a very sad time in my life. It was something that has taken me probably decades to get over. And unfortunately, uh, 12 years later, uh, my girlfriend uh, died by suicide uh, on Monday after Valentine's weekend. And over that weekend, we had finalized plans and she had completed the paperwork for us to, to attend the uh, University of North Carolina summer school program on the poetry of William Butler Yeats. I took the, both those the deaths extremely personal. I could never understand why my grandfather, who I saw every day of my life, could do that to me, that he could take his life and in so doing, steal part of my life with him, you know? Mm. And the same with Ian, uh, that, uh, you know, we made all these plans and they were gone in an instant. And But I've learned since then that, that people are very good at feigning an interest in a future they have no intentions of inhabiting. Mm. Uh, so uh, it took me until decades later when I found myself held hostage, you might say, by depression and despair that my life was, in my mind, was, was, wasn't was worth living. And that suicide became an only, the only option I had. In my mind, suicide was the only option. And somehow I miraculously uh, survived. And it took me probably months of therapy after that to realize, to come to the realization that neither my grandfather nor Ian's suicide was personal. Uh, Just as my suicide wasn't personal, you know, to the parents, my parents and those that loved me. Uh, I was caught in a mental situation in which I had no control. And... uh, they themselves were in that situation as well. And the only difference was they succeeded in what they were set out to do and that I, and I failed. And that's it. 
hard word to use when you by suicide to say you failed. Mm. But uh, in the context of of them, of their suicide, uh, you could say that that I was fortunate in surviving. Maybe that's a better way of saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes we talk about the idea that they completed suicide and you did not complete it or something like that as well. And I think fortunate to survive is is a good way of 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 looking at it too. And I think what strikes me is that suicide was a part of your life from a very young age at 11 you were still forming a lot of your ways of viewing the world. And even when Anne died at 23, you were still young and and trying to shape how you were going to see the world, be in the world. And so suicide was in that experience. And what happened with you becoming someone who attempted suicide is actually really not uncommon. The fact that when suicide, when you're a survivor of suicide loss, it's actually a risk factor for becoming someone who attempts suicide because it's an option in your in your experience. Somebody's used it and completed suicide and and altered altered lives. When you think about those losses, it sounds like one of the challenges you faced was that it felt so personal. Why would your grandfather leave you and take part of your life? Why would Anne leave you and take part of your life? What were some of the other challenges you remember sort of facing as you grieved them? Well, uh, with my grandfather at the time, uh, first of all, suicide wasn't talked about. Not that it's uh, a major subject of conversation today, but back in the, this was in 57, you know, I mean, suicide. I mean, it was it was a considered. First of all, it was considered sinful, mm-hmm. and in a lot of areas, I can't speak for for Massachusetts at that time, but it was also criminal. It, it was a criminal act uh, if someone committed suicide, and and the idea of giving giving someone help, or uh, even considering that maybe someone was traumatized by an event, as I was. You know, and as my parents and my grandmother probably were as well, the idea of getting help—I mean, it just was not. I mean, I can't speak for them, but it was—it wasn't something that was done back then. I mean, you sort of just, you know, went on your own way. And, and even when Ian—I mean, I, well, with my grandfather, one of the odd things, and I thought of this over the weekend, there were across the street from where he lived, there was woods. And uh, I don't remember how, but I found out where he uh, he hung himself. And I found the area, and I used to go out there sometimes and just sit on this, you know, crumbling stone wall and just sit there on an afternoon after school. Even when I was in high school, periodically, I used to go, go there because I remember there was a corner store up there, up the street, and I would buy a pack of cigarettes and sit on that stone wall and smoke cigarettes and take my grandfather. Uh, but I mean, back then, psychology, counseling, therapy, it just, maybe it was just for the uh, the well-off or uh, people of a higher class at that time. It wasn't something that I think that was sort of well-known to the common man and woman. Mm-hmm. So you were you were left with these losses and really no safe way or acceptable way to talk about them because 
there there wasn't the idea of therapy um, at least not in the in the places that you were talking to people or being with people and so it sounds like by going to that place in the woods and sitting on the wall and smoking those cigarettes and thinking about your grandfather that was your way of trying to make sense of this trying to come to terms with this loss in the absence of being able to talk about it or being able to have therapy or be with the ideas with someone who could support you in how, in all the things you would have been feeling. That's true. And, and uh, years later, I would say years later, decade later, it was probably, well, I know exactly what I think it was in uh, probably 2017, I wrote an article on my grandfather's memory, George Foley. It was on the op-ed page of Cape Cod Times. I wrote about him, uh, pictured him on that stone wall with a rope in his hand making a noose. I said, I wonder, as he stood, as he stood there, uh, did he hear the sounds of birds singing? Did he notice the squirrels leaping from branch to branch? Or was he so alone in his thoughts that, that he was only alone in, within himself? And, uh, I, and I think that those came to me, you know, all that, that, that image. Probably from those days, sitting on that wall and being in those woods when I was 12, 15, 16 years old, you know, there was it or that probably recaptured that moment. And, and I maybe back then, maybe those thoughts entered my mind back then, or maybe they didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me that in that surrounding, and spending that much time there, you would have noticed some of those things, and it would be quite natural to notice if he noticed them, or to wonder if he noticed them too. And and also to me, that sense of when you travel down your own path, where it became really difficult and painful, and you were thinking about suicide as an escape for yourself. Um, I think there's a recognition that you were so deep in your own self and your own pain that you might not have noticed the birds singing or the squirrels jumping from branch to branch in that moment. I probably didn't. I probably did not. Uh, yeah. my, recoll- my, my recollections of that day, I, I know to a fact they not <laughs> contain birds singing and mm. squirrels leaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, 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 the believe it or not is is that when that day came, uh, I had a sense of relief that day. That I, I sort of felt good, relaxed. I was ready to die. I mean, I was mm-hmm. ready to die. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I my plan uh, it was a Sunday was to kill myself after uh, the TV program, sixty minutes, which from the day it came on the air has been my favorite. TV show to this day. Mm-hmm. But when the clock started ticking at the beginning of 60 minutes that night at 7 o'clock, I said, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm ready to go. And uh, I shut the TV off and didn't watch it. I took all the pills and drank the wine, and uh, that was it. Okay. I, was at, I, I mentioned to my psychologist, psychiatrist over the years. As I'm as peaceful the day I die as I was that day, I will die a happy death. Mm-hmm. You felt some relief because you knew that you weren't going to be in this deep pain anymore. That is correct, yes. Yeah, I think that 
I understand that's quite a common experience um, when someone makes that decision, when they've been in, in terrible pain. And, and I wonder if you reflect back on, on the grief that you had about your losing your grandfather and losing Anne, you know, you said that your own experience with thinking about and attempting suicide helped you understand their mindset a bit more. It seems to me that it might be that you could then recognize that their thought at the time was escaping their pain. And like you mentioned, not personal about you. That was probably the biggest lesson, if maybe only the only lesson that mm-hmm. I learned from my suicide attempt was that to put their death in, in, in a proper perspective, that mm-hmm. it wasn't personal, that, that they were in the same pain that I was in. And they sought the only option they, that they believed was available to them, just as I sought, sought the only option that I thought was available to me. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned that it was your, you were fortunate to survive. And I understand, so you, were, you went to the hospital after your attempt and, uh, and then started to receive some of the support that it would have been perhaps so beneficial to receive when you were grieving initially, even just grieving your grandfather before even losing Anne, you started to receive some of that support. So things have changed for you. You actually are doing quite a few hopeful things in your life right now. You know, you started maybe writing articles, writing the articles for the paper about your grandfather and later again, writing about Anne. And you've been doing some writing in public publishing your own blog uh, with some of your thoughts about your experiences of grief and, and surviving a suicide attempt. What would you say has been helpful to you in healing from these experiences and from the ways that suicide has touched your life? Well, I think the the healing began with the true healing. I mean, uh, obviously after my grandfather's death, my life went on. I mean, I I continued my education. I was was in the seventh grade and, you know, to high school and to university, participated in sports had dates and girlfriends, hang out with guys, drank beer, and had fun. So uh, life went on, and the loss was still present, and I had missed my grandfather. And then Anne's death, I meeting her and the life we had together uh, during our time together, it, it was like a new beginning. And then uh, her death really set me back. I think that was, I was older and uh I had my my grandfather's suicide. It had to happen twice in a short period of time to to, uh, two people you loved very much. Mm -hmm. The words I could never get out of my mind was, Anne, you said you loved me, but you never said goodbye. Those words haunted me. I mean, I I developed them in my mind, and I I, periodically they would raise, and they bothered me. And but after my own suicide, I, I realized their deaths were not personal, and I was able to. Put them in perspective, and but the grief it, it still comes now and then. And I think for anyone who's lost anyone in life, not just by suicide, but through natural causes, or, or, or suddenly, uh, you know, through an accident or medical condition, is that there are things that, re, that continue to remind you of them. A song on the radio, uh, what someone might say in a TV, be it a sitcom or during the news, or a certain phrasing of words. 
can bring can trigger a memory of, of the person you love, and it can, can can bring back a few moments of grief, you know, in in that memory that you say, oh yeah, my grandfather did. Grandpa and I did that. We went we went to that Red Sox game, or we saw this event, or we were in that bar room to get robbed, you know, last night on the news. We were there. <laughs> and uh, same with Ian, you know, a certain movie comes on TV or something, and oh God, we saw that, uh, we saw that, uh, you know, etc. It it can bring back those, those grief, but it's not something that that, that you, I no longer dwell on. It's just you know for a few moments, maybe that, and, and sometimes it brings back happy memories, you know, mm-hmm. more than the grief because you you have that. Memory and you can smile. You know, it's a that was a fun time together. You know, that was fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right that no matter how you lose someone and you love someone and you lose them, that the grief stays with you as long as you live because that love for them stays with you. And grief is really just an expression of love when you've lost someone, you know, and so that you carry that with you. It's, it changes, I think, how you carry it over time. You feel, you know, you've had a lot of experiences in life since you lost your grandfather and since you lost Dan. And so how you carry the grief for them is different now than how you used to carry it right after it happened and, and over the years. But I think you're right. And those little reminders that you you have of them is that is that their love kind of rising back up in, in your life. You know, you mentioned hearing a song and, uh, you know, I think that music is so powerful sometimes in helping us express our feelings or explore them. Is there particular music that you found really helps you connect with your feelings when you're thinking about them? Well, well, there are two songs by the Moody Blues that actually came out years after Ian's death, but both remind me of her. Uh, and when I hear them today uh, on the radio, they can bring uh, a tear to my eye. And they're both by the Moody Blues. Uh, one is is somewhere I know you're out there somewhere, and the other is in your wildest dreams. And they mm. both remind me of Ian, in in that they know that person is out there, and that you know they will meet again someday. Mm. Uh, and in the wildest dreams is that you think about me in your wildest dreams and you wonder where I live and where I've lived in the past, it's, it's still on Cape Cod, is, is that uh, from out in the evening, uh, well, not recently because of the pandemic uh, over the last year and a half, but up until the pandemic, at night, you see the, the flashing lights of planes on their way to Europe. And sometimes on the, in the afternoon, you'd see them coming back. And not every day or every time, but periodically, I sometimes see the plane up there. I, I do think of Ian, you know, and my grandfather. But more often than Ian, because we were planning for a future. You know, we were planning when we graduated to go to Ireland. And that was what we had the interest in nature's poetry, an interest in Ireland. We shared uh, Irish heritage. So we're planning to go to Ireland, and uh, and on the weekend of Valentine's weekend, we played a game of of, of quoting uh, lines from Yeats's poetry. And, uh, I mean, that just underscores or underlines to me the idea that love is powerful, and it and it travels over years, even 
when someone's gone from our lives physically that 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 our heart holds those moments of connection and when someone has died by suicide our heart holds those moments of connection but also all these questions and some of the questions were answered in your own journey you know the idea about the question why would they do this to me becomes an understanding of the fact that they weren't thinking of you they were thinking inside themselves and so this opportunity to reconnect with those feelings is is powerful even all these years later and even with the healing that you've done with the exception of suicide every death has a reason automobile accident old age covid-19 cancer heart attack there's a definite definitive reason so when your loved one dies, you have the facts before you. He, she died because of this. Okay. When okay. it comes to suicide, the reasons are usually hidden. Uh, the person takes them to the grave. You know, most people do not leave notes. So it leaves in the survivors, in the family, in the loved one. All it does is raise questions after questions after questions. And there are no definitive answers. And I think that's what makes the loss of a loved one through suicide so difficult, not only to accept, but so difficult to get over because there's, no, there's nothing definitive as to why. And all you can think of is why, because it's all the things that person could live for. Mm-hmm. And when all other deaths, you, you have something definitive. It breaks your heart, and you'll grieve just as long, and maybe even longer, and maybe more intensely. Mm-hmm. But uh, you always come back to the fact, and put your finger and say, "Well, you had a bad heart, you know, climbing a mountain, you know, whatever." So, with Rick, with thinking about your healing. You've talked about the fact that you did find therapy after a time. It wasn't there when you were initially grieving, but later in your life, after your suicide attempt, you found some therapy that was helpful to you. And would you say that that therapy, was there something that was helpful in that therapy work that you were doing? It was uh, extremely helpful. Initially, just when I was transferred from uh, from the hospital to the psych unit, and I started meeting with psychologist and a, a, a therapist, I mean a psychiatrist. But it was the first time I talked to a psychologist about my grandfather and his death and what it meant to me. Well, it's clear in my mind, and I'm sure I also talked about Ian and in, in, in her suicide, but with my grandfather, when my parents came to visit for the first time, it was the first question the psychologist brought up to my mother was was what her feelings would have was like when she realized when when she was told I was gonna die that she would have lost her father and son to suicide. So that meaning is, is frozen in my mind. Mm-hmm. And and that and that tells me that even though I was in this in the psych ward only for a couple of days, you know, I probably began with talking about my grandfather more than I talked about me. Mm. And and then some of the healing could begin because you had the opportunity to 
to talk about those feelings and thoughts and and process them and think about them from different angles. You know, when we have something like that kind of grief in our, in our head and we carry it alone, our minds can be pretty powerful. We can we can get pretty lost in our own minds if we're not talking about it with somebody else who can give us a different perspective like that psychiatrist gave you a different perspective what your mother's experience would be if she lost both her father and her son to suicide and that that shifted something for you it sounds like i mean i never been to counseling before right and and just letting you know that you weren't all alone in that and that time that you were, you know, that you were grieving her after her loss, that, that you weren't all alone, that he was thinking about you and, and, and you had that, those moments of connection and conversation. Mm -hmm. And so when you did find therapy, you did a lot of work in therapy, and then you began doing some of this writing. And what you do now is you have a blog where you write and share small uh, stories or moments that are intended to offer help to others. That's the point of your your blog, isn't it? Yes, my blog is 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 to help those who have lost a loved one to suicide, and to help those who uh, who are thinking about suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, that I don't preach to them. I let them read about how those who have lost their loved ones suffer and that by seeing or what the consequences of their actions could have on their families, friends, and loved ones. Yeah. And I mean, that's really what Grief Stories is all about is taking people's experiences and sharing them in a way to offer insight and information that helps other people going through something similar. And you know, what you're doing is is very similar to what our our work is, is bringing those stories to people who might need to know that they're not alone and who might need some hope and insight and information that can help them to find healing as well. And so I'm really grateful that you're, I'm grateful that you're still here and I'm grateful that you're doing the work that you do. And I thank you for joining me today to talk about it. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh... And I hope that uh, it's helpful to those who listen. Yeah, we believe it is. It's one of the reasons that we um, we offer this podcast is because we, we feel that your story matters and that your story is helpful to somebody out there. And our hope is that the opportunity to listen to it, um, um, just like the opportunity to find your writing on, on Facebook or on your blog is is a way for people to make sense of their own situations. And so it's really been great talking to you, Tom. Thank you. Well, thank you, Maureen, very, very much. Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org for more stories of hope and healing. Mm -hmm.